sorcery and sudden violence. Vengeance. Sorcery and sudden vengeance. Mm -mm. Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter 12 of Prince Caspian. This chapter is titled Sorcery and Sudden Vengeance. I am a hag, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. And I'm Hunger. Also known as Chris. I feel like that would have been more appropriate for me to choose. <laughs> I am hunger. Huh. We could have done a thing where we were both hunger and thirst, but we would have had to plan for this. Yeah. And as you know, we don't plan for this podcast at True. all. True. Uh, that's True. part of the that's part of the charm. Yeah, we're I witty can. and off the cuff. Woo. Unscripted. I mean, when we do try to plan or script anything, it always turns out being really like stilted and weird. Which is why we haven't done our scripted podcast yet. Probably true. Oh man. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Kristen. We're doing a morning record today. Uh, we, you know, for the first time since, like, episode two, we're having tea. Yes. As we record. We are having tea. Uh, we're having some uh, some constant comment black tea. Just, uh, just thought I'd share with the listeners what we're drinking here. <laughs> so maybe they can join in if they want. Uh, and you are, you are not feeling so hot today. Accurate. Okay. So I feel if, a little ugly. Yeah. I if, mean, sick. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have agreed with that so fast. Yeah, you shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to pause this record for a minute. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be back. So listeners, if Kristen's voice sounds a bit off, that's why she's, uh, you know, she's on the mend. I'm in my, as they say. my deep voice. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, why don't we go ahead and jump into the podcast? I feel like it's been forever since we recorded because we recorded late last week. Yes. Early last week or something. I don't know. It feels like it's been a long time. We recorded, yeah. Okay. Anyway, how do we start this, Kristen? What do we do? Well, the first thing we do is we um, read our sentence summaries. So as you and I read through the chapters, we pick out five sentences Mm -hmm. and try to summarize the chapter in its own words. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do first. Would you like to go first? Um, No, you can go first. I'll go first. So my sentence summary is as follows. Someone was talking so loudly that the approach of the boys and the dwarf had not been heard. There was a pause so long that the boys began to wonder if Nickabrick was ever going to begin. When he did, it was in a lower voice as if he himself did not much like what he was saying. The White Witch! cried three voices all at once, and from the noises Peter guessed that three people had leapt to their feet. Then the light was knocked over, and it was all swords, teeth, claws, fists, and boots for about sixty seconds. Your Majesty is very welcome, said Caspian. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for sure I've got one of those sentences, but I really don't think I have that many sentences in common with you, but Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't reading mine as you read yours. I was trying to pay attention to yours, so... Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's something I'm trying. It's a new thing I'm trying. Trying to... Paying attention to your husband. Paying attention to you. (laughs) But here is my five-sentence summary for chapter 12. But whether it was that the horn was blown too late or whether there was no magic in it, no help has come. I want to know what it is that Nicobrick keeps on hinting we should do. Yes, said Nicobrick very slowly and distinctly. I mean the witch. Your Majesty is very welcome, said Caspian. I haven't come to take your place, you know, but to put you into it. There you go. He's coming to put him in his place. Yep. Mm. He's coming. Peter, Peter, of course, not having the conversation dialogue tags on that made it a little hard. I did just kind of skip over the whole fight. It's just like Nick Bricks, like we should get the witch. And then Peter's like, here, I'm coming to put you in your place, Caspian. The, the fight's like the climactic moment of this chapter, though. Yes. Yeah, it is kind of the climax of the chapter, but also, like, 
not not much happens in it. Like we don't see the fight. It's just like you your sentence said. It's like sixty seconds of of nothing, violent action, movement, and then three people are dead. Yes. And everybody else is like, let's go get breakfast. So much gets revealed there though. Alright. Um so let's let's start getting into the chapter a little bit. Uh time frame wise, this is a really, really tight chapter. Like, this does not encompass very much time at all. Like, maybe, like... Less I was, time than the dancing party outside, probably. Yeah. Like, I was assuming all this could easily happen within, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. So, like, it's a very, like... Yeah, short, they walk in, one. listen to a conversation, and then kill three people. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time that happened to me. Um, anyway. So, we leave the dancing party on the lawn, and we move into the howl. Uh, you know, the three men in the group. Yes. And they move in, stalking about, and they start overhearing this conversation that's happening in the stone table room. Yes. uh, Between figures that we don't know who they are yet, though we can assume one of them is Caspian. Well, we know it's the three of the council, basically. Yes, and then there's some other folk in there as well. Yes. Um, So we have the three council that we introduce that are kind of, and they don't just walk in. So th- that that I found interesting right off the bat. Well, was if that. you were sent into a room and said, hey, go and deal with what you find in there. Yes. What, would you just swing the door open? I would not. However, they go and they stop and they listen and they hear like, the first voices they hear are like Nicobrick and Cornelius and Caspian, three people who are on like the council. Yes. And like at this point, we've introduced them. Like, I find it weird that they didn't just step into the room and be like, hey, Trumpkin, introduce us. Obviously, the king's in there. He's fine. They're having a discussion. Why don't we go in instead of awkwardly standing out here and listening in on this conversation? Yes, but Trumpkin is hesitant to do that, it seems. And if Trumpkin is, he's proven mm-hmm. to be one of the wiser of the council when it comes to actually, like, following leadership instructions and stuff. Apparently. But yes, what would have happened if they had walked in right then? Would Nickabrick have lived? That's the question. Like, would would this whole fight have broken out? Like, we can break down this scene like piece by piece here. So they they overhear the conversation. They don't go in. We, you know, hear in turn from uh, Trump and him introducing Nickabrick and Caspian and Cornelius. Uh, them talking about you know the horn and whether that's done nothing because you know nickabrick's frustrated because because it's been like uh, we're, oh, the, this is the part here all right so look they blow the horn mm-hmm. trumpkin has gone in the morning to try to get to a place that's a ways away mm-hmm. more than a day's travel yes and so at a minimum it's going to take him a day and a half to get there and a day and a half to get back mm-hmm like, probably. Which means that they have to wait at least, from the moment Trumpkin left, they need, like, three days to know whether or not things happened or worked. So if if this... Okay, like, here's... If Trumpkin left, went to the coast, and then came back, they would expect him to take the longest amount of time that the kids were saying it would take them to get back, which was, like, a day and a half. So they would need to give Trumpkin three days from when he left to get back, regardless mm-hmm. of when the horn was blown. Unless they think that, like, Trumpkin's going to arrive there, the magic is going to be there, and just magic him back. Mm-hmm. Like, either way. Like, has the squirrel come back yet and reported that there was nothing at the lamppost? Like, we don't know. And we don't. And how much time did it take Nickabrick to go get the people that he is being treacherous with? Do we get a chapter from the perspective of the squirrel going to the lamppost? Because that's what I want. <laughs> but, like, what I'm saying is, how long after Trumpkin left did Nickabrick go get his friends? Like, that's how much time question. did he even give it any time? Like, did they blow the horn and he was like, well, we blew the horn for magic to come help save us. Well, it didn't. And walked away. And, like, said that out loud in front of all of the... All of the soldiers that now know about it mm-hmm. and how it failed, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he is just like, "Nope, it didn't work. You blew the horn. It didn't work, and now I'm getting help." Yeah. Like. So how he, 
he was he already in the works to try to get this help yeah well to play devil's advocate here for a second like imagine you're in a situation like nicoprick is and you're like under siege you're surrounded by a hostile army like you're fighting for your very survival and like you know somebody's like hey so i got this magic horn that if i blow it something cool is probably gonna happen we don't really know what it is but it's and probably going to happen somewhere else. It's somewhere else. And it's going to take two or three days, maybe, for, for, for us to see anything. Would you as Nick or Rick be like, all right, yeah, let's sit around. I'll wait. We'll see what happens. It, but, like, <laughs> the fact that he already has the hag and the werewolf there. Mm-hmm. Like, they're already in the house. Yeah. Like, how did he go get them while they're under siege, if they are under siege? I don't know. Maybe the maybe the house like next door to some haunted woods or something, and you know they just live right there. Okay. <laughs> He's just like, let me let me go see who the neighbors are. Maybe they'll help. <laughs> um. So yeah, you've you've introduced a couple of other characters that we have here. Uh, just making sure there was nothing. We have Nickabrick complaining that really Trumpkin and and the Badger brought what what is his name? Um, Truffle Hunter. That 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 Nickabrick's complaining that oh Trumpkin and Truffle Hunter brought in Prince Caspian as their friend. Mm-hmm. Prince Caspian's brought in his old mentor as his friend. Why can't I bring in friends? Yeah, which is a fair point. Uh, also, Nickabrick has an amazing line right here that I want to read just because, like, to me, it just feels like exactly something Bilbo Baggins would say, <laughs> where he says, "To speak plainly," said Nickabrick. Your wallet's empty, your eggs addled, your fish uncaught, your promises broken. But they're not. His promise <laughs> His promise was that help might arrive somewhere else mm-hmm. and that it needs to get here. Yeah. Like, his promise isn't broken until, like, tomorrow after dinner time. Yeah. Like, I, a, just... I just, it's not. <laughs> and there is, like, mm, I don't get it. I just like the idea of like him dressing someone down and being like, "Your eggs are addled and your fish are uncaught." I like. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I've, I've approved of that particular like rampage of Nickabricks, but like, but yeah, within the whole thing, it's just like Nickabrick doesn't want this to happen. He doesn't. He doesn't want to wait for it. He, he, whether or not like. Every hmm. You're just really angry at Nickabrick this whole chapter. I am because like I I knew going into this book that he was a traitor, and so like but reading it, I'm like, at what point does he actually betray Caspian? Like, was it the second he blew the horn? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it feels like, and it's really frustrating because like you know, based on the way his character has been presented so far, that he's being a little shady throughout the whole book up until now where he's very much been this character who's like anyone who will fight my enemy is i'll fight with mm-hmm. anyone whether it's the witch or caspian or aslan yeah but at the same and that and that has set him up as this potentially traitorous character and we know that like that's obvious reading through it yeah but there's always one when did he actually enact this betrayal was pretty much the second Caspian blew the horn and he immediately went and told all of the men in the army that this is that Aslan has failed us and the magic has failed us Mm -hmm. and he's going to go get his his hag yeah I mean he's under pressure like 20 percent of his dwarfs are you know dead Yes, but like, so are yeah. a lot of other people dying, and he doesn't care. Like, he mm-hmm. he only can see as far as his fighters, and that's it. Like Yeah, so moving on, I, I think we should introduce our fully, formally introduce, formally, formally introduce our two other friends that we have uh, in the table room right now, because I feel like there's a lot to be said for at least one of them. Okay. And so first, we have, well, she's not introduced. Uh, yeah, they're not of, introduced until they're they, dead. They won't. Basically. They both introduce themselves, uh, and the the first we hear of one of them just says, "Worshipful Master Doctor." Came a thin, whining voice, and the speech of the witch here is very interesting. Yeah, is like she she's very like 
overtly humble and respectful and just like oh worshipful master you're this so is the hag right yeah. you said witch hag witch whatever i well witch. i just don't want to confuse yeah, people yeah. this isn't the white witch it's not the white witch uh she's not respectful at all um but yeah the hag is very overly respectful and being like oh i'm so i'm so obliged to you for your friendship and you're so much smarter than i am and like all this stuff like laying it on really really thick which i think is an interesting way for her character to come in mm-hmm and like, but it proves very much what it is that Nickabrick has responded to in her, and what Nickabrick has been wanting. Like, mm-hmm. she comes in in this kind of tone because this is what has gained her favor with Nickabrick. Uh huh. Obviously. Uh huh. Which, obviously, she ain't doing so well for herself because you know, she's she's joining up with this random cause that she doesn't really seem to have a stake in. True. Um, so that, that's my other question is like, how did, are these just friends of Nickabricks or did he like try to promise them something or like, we don't really find out why these two are here specifically. True. Like they don't have motivation for joining this fight. Except that they have been run off by the humans in the same way that everyone else has, but they were probably previously run off by, yeah. you know, whatever, like by the narnians yeah. but like yeah, even in the there's... golden age of narnia these these kinds of folk weren't welcome so and also earlier in the book we have mention of them like we have mentioned that nickabrick wants to bring these people in in the very first council like the first conversations of when they're gathering everybody and meeting the bears and everything mm-hmm. the bulgy bears and uh, Truffle Hunter and Trumpkin both say you won't have our help if you if you help if you accept help from them mm-hmm. to Caspian. Yeah. Uh, and so we we have the Hag come in, and then we have our other guy, which uh, has a dull gray voice, which I want to just go ahead and read his whole introductory paragraph because I think it's worth noting and so far out of place for this book. Okay. Um. He says, I'm hunger. I'm thirst. When I bite, I hold till I die, and even after death, they must cut out my mouthful from my enemy's body and bury it with me. I can fast a hundred years and not die. I can lie a hundred nights on the ice and not freeze. I can drink a river of blood and not burst. Show me your enemies. Like, I read that and I was like, what book am I reading right now? True. All of a sudden, this book just took a serious yeah. turn. Because, like, that sounds like the intro from, like, one of the B-side villains in a Dresden book. Like, that's <laughs> that's something one of them would say coming yeah. in. And Very I was just, true. and I'm just like, geez, Lewis, yeah, taking, a, taking a dark turn here. Yep. Uh, and then I thought, is he, like, he's just trying to very quickly establish villainy and character and being like hey this is a dude that we can't trust yeah and there there's some there's some language throughout the rest of this chapter that i think is problematic okay uh, because we haven't really we don't really say anything about the werewolf or the hag uh as people or individuals or being like yeah they're bad seeds we're just like, yes, they are a werewolf and a hag that makes them vermin and worth killing, like, yeah, offhand. Like, we don't need to think about it. Yeah. It's like, they, they just need to they be exterminated. They are inherently yeah. evil. And we just need to exterminate them. Are they creations of the White Witch? <sighs> are they things that she molded in her attempts to gain power in Narnia? Is that why the wolves were friends were with her? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We, we we don't really know enough about what the White Witch did. Uh, however, once we introduce these two characters, we do have a conversation about her. Yes. And they are, you know, they kind of dance around it at first, and they're just like, well, there are other powers besides the old kings we could call into this. Yeah. There, There's other people with means that we could possibly summon. Uh, and they bring up the White Witch. They do. Yeah. And they, they're just like, why don't we call her up? Like, the kings aren't showing. She, she slayed Aslan. Mm-hmm. She slew Aslan. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting as well that, like, one of my, one of my summary sentences, despite this all being Nickabrick's idea, 
and you know him bringing in the hag and the werewolf and like these unsavory characters it still says like he brings this up with a lowered voice as if he himself doesn't like what he's saying yeah it's like as bad of a dude as nicobrick is he's still scared of this idea and like it's just like maybe we shouldn't do it but you know this is what this is the option we have right now yeah so i mean he's not that far gone where he's just like yeah this is awesome i love her yeah (laughs) um but he doesn't particularly love aslan either as an idea he didn't he'll attach himself to anything yes precisely i mean good job staying in character nekabrick um (laughs) and they they bring that up and then they have sharp disagreements uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, the badger, the badgers, remember, they're badgers, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, he very much doesn't want to bring her back. You know, Cornelius knows something of the old lore and is like, this is a terrible idea. Caspian doesn't, you know, he doesn't know anything at all. They so. also have a little reference that really confused me, and I'd like to know your thoughts on it, mm-hmm. about the beavers. Oh, the beavers, yeah. And how um, the queen basically exterminated the beavers. Yep. See, I found it right here. That's the page I was on. Uh, so the whole exchange goes, uh, But heaven and earth, said the king, haven't we always been told that she was the worst enemy of all? Wasn't she a tyrant ten times worse than Moraz? Perhaps, said Nickabrick in a cold voice, perhaps she was for you humans, if there were any of you in those days. Perhaps she was for some of the beasts. Beasts. She stamped out the beavers. I dare say at least there are none of them in Narnia now. Which like, is insane. Like She just genocided all of the beavers. Yeah, and like, but we had the beavers that came and and took in the kids uh-huh. and We're, took them to Aslan. So when the witch was defeated, there was still at least two beavers. Were, were Mr. and Mrs. Beaver the last of the ones in Narnia? Yeah, are they the were they the last of the beavers? Like, and they just took off after the war. Yeah, like what happened? Maybe they were like, we heard there's some beavers in Arkenland. Let's go there. I just like, what on earth? Like, where did that come from, Lewis? Like, it, yeah, it's like, and why beavers specifically? Well, and yeah, why beavers <sighs> specifically is a really good question because it could have been any any critter Mm -hmm. except for the ones that we've seen already yeah and maybe this is just lewis explaining why he used a badger instead of a beaver for for a truffle hunter but like at the same time i don't know it was a weird thing to throw in yeah it's really really like since they don't factor into the story at all he's just like yep and she killed all the beavers because we're we're we need to like further hammer in the point that the witch is not a good person (laughs) yeah like huh (laughs) (laughs) Why? Yeah. Uh, and then Nickabrick also goes on to single-handedly speak for all dwarfs everywhere. She's just like, I'm a dwarf and I stand by my own people. We're not afraid of the witch. Just like, yeah. yeah. Which, when we already know that Trumpkin said you wouldn't have his help if you invoked the help of, like, the hags and all of that. Like, yeah, we've already established that, that you don't have the support of the red dwarf, Trumpkin. Who's standing right outside the door right now? Like, mm-hmm. speaking of standing right outside the door, we also at some point in this chapter have a little reference to the help maybe at the door. <laughs> oh, oh, how clever! Yeah, uh, and then like they bring up the suggestion, things get tense. Uh, Caspian starts drawing his sword, and it's just like, is this open treason, dwarf? Yeah, and like straight up like calls him dwarf which is like i don't know seems like a power move right there in that moment a little bit yeah um he's he's flexing his humanity (laughs) his white privilege over the black dwarf i was was about to say i do that sometimes and then you ruined it (laughs) um so then uh dr cornelius is trying to stop this before it starts he says, the witch is dead. All the stories agree. Ding dong. Werewolf says, oh, is she? Uh, and then there's there's a fascinating line in here, I think, where the hag talks again and says, sorry, that's, that's what I sound like when I'm trying to actively read and look for something while trying to talk because I'm not good at doing both. <laughs> um, 
They've so, figured that out. Yeah. So the hag says, sweet master doctor, learned master doctor, whoever heard of a witch that really died? Who indeed? Mm-hmm. You can always get them back. Yep. Always. And the next line is, call her up, said the gray voice. We are all ready. Draw the circle. Prepare the blue fire. Yep. So it seems like there's precedent for this. Okay. Like they, you know, this is like a magic ritual that they know how to do. They're prepared to do. Like they know exactly how to call up the witch if this such a thing is possible. Yeah. So has someone attempted this before? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a really good question is like, has this happened before? Absolutely mm-hmm. a good question. It doesn't seem like... It has happened based on the fact that the witch isn't still around. Yeah. And we haven't seen anything of her. Mm-hmm. We think. That we know of. Maybe she's the one that brought in the Telmarines in the first place. Maybe she's the bear that attacked Lucy. <laughs> All the animals are actually this the witch in the sky. Um <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I I do think it was interesting that they that they had a you know a setup ready for this. They were just you know they're not saying, hey, if we were going to do this, how would we do it? Oh, somebody, you know, there's rumors of if you go to this place and perform this ritual, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's no hearsay. They came prepared to do. Yeah, this. they came prepared to do it. Yeah. And like, there's a way to do it, uh, but they don't get that far because uh, we have to also read this line reading just a lot of this chapter because there's a lot of really like non sequitur or out of place lines in this and lines (laughs) that just don't seem like they fit in this book okay um so that is your plan nickabrick black sorcery and the calling up of an accursed ghost yep Uh, that's the plan uh and then you know the next minute or two gets kind of crazy because everybody jumps at each other at the same time kind of yeah so you know you know, the, at this point, the Trumpkin and Peter and Edmund still aren't in the room. They're still standing out in the hallway, and they just hear animal roaring and a clash of steel, and then they rush in. Yes. It's like, as soon as we hear sounds of combat, we rush in, and they see this crazy scene. And I'd like to, I don't know if you have this art in your book, but I want to point out the art here of this battle. Is it the one with the floating head? Uh, floating head, no. Show me, show me your... Okay. We have this one right here. Yeah, the the that one. That's a floating head. Where? Holding down that one. The hag's head is just floating there in space. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's that okay. is that is the that is the single frame of art that I associate with this book <laughs> because that one has always stood out to me as such a terrifying image. <laughs> of just that floating head strangling someone with its hair. Yeah, that's pretty intense. I didn't notice that. I was going to point out, like, just how pathetic the werewolf looks in this situation. Yeah, I, no, I don't. <laughs> I couldn't tell you that the werewolf was even in that picture. But the hag is a floating head strangling yeah. Uh, Cornelius. Yeah. And, yeah. But... That has always, always been a terrifying image in my, like, in, in the background of my head. Yeah. In contrast to how non-terrifying the werewolf looks. Like, I'm going to... We should actually post a picture of this on yeah. Instagram. Well, because it's mid-transformation. It still has human yeah. legs. Yes. Uh, he looks like he weighs about 75 pounds. Um, <laughs> he, he he looks a lot more like a were-rat than a werewolf. True. Like, yeah, this does not look like an intimidating critter at all. Um, anyway, there's combat. We leap into the fray. Uh, you know, the, the boys and Trumpkin go in. You know, we start swinging swords around. Uh, Trumpkin found himself face to face with the hag, uh, down in the ground. Somebody's got Dr. Cornelius by the throat. Trumpkin beheads the hag. It's yep. like, Nick, done. That was it. Uh, his light knocked over, swords, teeth, claws, fists, 60 seconds, then silence. And light comes to, and then the hag and the werewolf and Nickabrick are all dead. Yes. So, like... Really quick little scene there. Lots of action, and one of our main characters is dead there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Suddenly. And, and we don't actually know who killed him. Correct. And it's better that way. Yeah. It's like we we never have anybody to blame for Nick Brick's death. Uh, that was it. That's the combat in this scene. And then we 
kind of go into this uh, denouement, this conversation that happens between, you know, Caspian and the others and, like, the newcomers. Yep. Uh, which there is a couple things I wanted to point out here. So we get the introduction that happens between Caspian and Peter. Uh, it's the High King, King Peter, said Trumpkin. Your Majesty is very welcome, said Caspian. And so is your Majesty, said Peter. I haven't come to take your place, you know, but to put you into it. And, like, this immediate conversation, yeah, you know, well, Peter... Don't do that voice again. Okay, I'll try not to. I'll try not to. That's my aristocratic Peter voice. Uh, this fun conversation where Peter comes in, and I would say kind of arrogantly here, just kind of walks in and is just like, oh, no, you haven't said anything, but calm down. I'm not coming to take your place. Yeah. Like, I know you'd assume that. I would. You would just assume that I'm coming in to take over the land, but I'm not. No, no, no. I think, I, no, I think that it's an important first <laughs> sentence, though, just to come in and mm-hmm. say, I'm not here to lead Narnia right now. Mm-hmm. I'm here to ensure that you lead Narnia. Yeah. I think it's a very important statement of intention. Like, mm-hmm. that's healthy, open communication. Yeah. This is the kind of thing we should encourage in our young boys. Let's do that. Uh, and then right after that, there's this uh, other line that I wanted to point out and, you know, just get your thoughts on. Why didn't you just read the whole chapter? I could read the whole chapter. There's just, there's things here that I think are important to read word for word. Uh, Peter leaned forward, put his arms around the beast, and kissed the furry head. It wasn't a girlish thing for him to do, because he was the high king. <laughs> and I, I didn't. Why does that stand out to you? Because it's, it's, I don't know, it's just a weird sign of the times, I guess, where like, kissing badgers is a girlish thing kissing a creature on the head like you would kiss a dog or a cat you know like Mm -hmm. it's a very nurturey action yeah i guess so makes sense but he was the high king so you know it wasn't girlish so we don't have to worry about that uh and then trouble hunter brings up this idea again that we a few chapters back we talked about him having this conversation where he's just like, I'm a beast, and beasts don't forget. Beasts don't change. Yeah. And he brings this up again and says, I'm a beast, and we don't change. And then it's like, furthermore, I'm a badger, what's more, and we hold on. So yes. apparently, even among beasts, badgers, like, those are the ones that you want to go to. Those are your rock that you want to build your kingdom upon. Yeah. Because, you know, they hold on to the old ways. Seems like. Uh-huh. And I don't know, maybe that's a different thing in England, like, any of our English listeners can, you know, share about this possibly. But like when I think about what I know of badger stereotypes, <laughs> uh, yeah. stalwart doesn't come to mind first. Yeah, they're a little more shifty in yeah. the yeah, they're like collective sh- consciousness. They're like quick and they're shifty and like they're they're super aggressive. And like one doesn't think, oh, these are like stoic and, you know, they remember things. Yeah. So that's an interesting bit of fiction that Lewis has crafted for this world. Yes. But, you know, as we all know, Honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger. Yeah. You remember, you remember that? Remember, remember this? Remember this? The, the Honey Badger video that was, you know, like 10 years ago? No. That was a thing? All right. Well, I'll show you later. Yeah. Some I, of know, our... I know the reference to a Honey uh, Badger. Okay. Well, there's a video associated with it. Oh, okay. Um, and then and we then. reveal something else that, that won't come up later. I know it won't, probably, but I hope it would. Uh, Caspian has been bitten by the werewolf. Yes. He's bleeding. He's been bitten. Yes. I don't think we have enough book left for that to be a plot point. That could have been one. Yeah, and I honestly, I had forgotten about this whole like i i knew that there was a hag i had forgotten that the other character in the room was a werewolf like i had forgotten about that Mm -hmm. so i don't think that it becomes a thing in this book just based off of my memory of this book but i don't know if it's a thing in the future yeah i don't know was that i guess we could do some research onto that was that established fiction in the lore of werewolves at this point that if you get bitten by one you might turn into one i don't know but what he said what when he introduced himself is that if he bites someone they have to bury the piece of that person with him Mm -hmm. so it kind of shows that you didn't want any part of you that had touched the werewolf's mouth to stay a part of you yeah oh so yeah that's 
kind of a forgotten plot thread that would have been interesting. But I don't think it goes anywhere. Um, you don't think, huh? But we resolve this fight. Then they go and have breakfast. They have a terrible, terrible breakfast, which uh, consists of cold bear meat, hard cheese, and onion, and some water. Yes. Which I... Gosh, I've, I don't think I've ever... While the life. girls are out there eating all of the grapes you could ever <laughs> they want. They could just go outside! <laughs> and eat some grapes. Uh, which, while this is happening, yeah, uh, I think that is worth pointing out and discussing before we end. All this is happening inside, while they're out here having this festive party with Bacchus and, like, all the tree spirits and whatnot. Give me, give me like, a mental picture of where Miraz's army is set up. I know, right? Be- because, like... I was thinking, like, they're right there. The front lines are outside the Howl. They're surrounding this place. It's under siege. Like, you imagine a castle being under siege, where they're, like, they're siege, where, like, there's armies right outside the walls, and they've got catapults, and they've got archers, and, like, this whole thing. Yeah. But there's plenty of room where the army's not even going to interfere with this massive tree fest that, you know, Aslan's called up. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's even worried about that. True. So, is Maraz's army, like, miles away at this point? Like, that's... Who indeed knows. Who indeed. Um, Also, I don't think I've ever in my life been hungry enough to where I would eat that particular meal. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I can imagine, like, after trekking through the forest for three days on an empty stomach, maybe. Yeah, but but it wasn't even three days, but okay. Yeah, just like cold bear meat and a raw onion. Like, whew. That's a rough one. Um... And that's what happens in the chapter. Kristen, do you have anything that we uh, didn't cover that we need to go over here? Oh, wait, some water bottles. (laughs) I think the main thing that I wanted to touch on is this particular line in regard to um, the treason of Nicobrick Mm -hmm. that says he would have been a good dwarf if Uh they had had victory quickly. Yeah. And that it was his desperation that resulted in his treachery, like, Mm -hmm. or that caused his treachery. And that seemed like a very interesting way to, to to call this out as a line. Like, just the way that they're like, oh yeah, no, he would have been a good dwarf mm-hmm. if we'd gotten victory quickly. Yeah. But the need to have victory is what led to this, like, treachery. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it just seemed like a very odd take specifically to, to like, you want nicobrick to be a redeemed character i do at least i want him to be a redeemed character i wanted when edmund said that i've got nicobrick mm-hmm. that he was alive you yeah. wanted him to be alive so that there could be a redemption. i at least i did but trumpkin's got the redemption arc for this one yeah trumpkin has a redemption arc but i wanted nicobrick to have a redemption arc mm-hmm. and that didn't get to happen and i'm really bummed out about it yeah he still does get an honorable burial though Yes. Which is more than can be said for the hag and the werewolf who are just... just going to be thrown in the pit. Yep. Yep. They're just vermin to get thrown out. It's like, gee. Yep. (laughs) It's like, they're they're not sentient beings at all that deserve some sort of respect. Nope. They're just vermin. Yep. Whew. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But even then, like, those are the main things that I wanted to touch on is just this kind of idea that, like, I don't remember there being werewolf. I don't remember. And even Peter, like, is like, oh, yeah, now that I see it, I remember what it is. Uh Even though werewolves are a thing in, like, Earth mythology, he seems to be recalling it from Narnia as if it's a thing he's encountered in Narnia before. Yeah. Which is kind of intense. Like, we haven't really had this werewolf theme in narnia before ever did they, did they not get mentioned in like the endless lists of critters that come up in lion the witch in the wardrobe they may have been like, yeah. like we need to get that list up because <laughs> yeah. we had hags mentioned in that basically yeah. everything that was mentioned in that list is is considered irredeemable yeah. like they're all just like servants of the queen and nothing else the witch and nothing else mm-hmm and they have no redemption, they have no arc, they have no possibility of being anything other than servants of the witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right, well, that's all I had. If we want to go ahead and move on to our next segment. I'm curious about whether or not the witch is inherently evil, and what does that mean about Charn? Like, what does the witch's role here 
as someone who had a previous home, were all of her people this evil? And she just happened to be the one that destroyed the rest? I mean, she she killed them all, so... (laughs) Or was she just evil and she was the evil of their world as much as she was the evil of our of, of Narnia? Yeah, we don't know. I think uh, the only thing that we know uh, about the people of Charn is uh, when Diggory was going through the room where everybody was frozen and talking about the faces of the people that were, you know, standing around looking at the witch in the center. And, like, some of them were horrified and some were in despair and, like... But it was a wave out. Like, if this was a chronology, it was that there were kind people in the past. Yeah. And if it was a sweeping out from her, it's a spreading of the discontent from her. Whoa. To those who are furthest from her have the least negative effects of it. Yeah. But even then, like, yeah. It seems like on Charn there were people who were not evil at some point. Fair assumption. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the witch doesn't come back, so oh well. Oh well. Would you like to move on? Sure. All right. So for our next segment, uh, it's called Narnia Chopped and Screwed. Hashtag. Uh, the hashtag comes after. It's really crazy. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird system. It is. It's reverse Twitter. Uh, and what we do is we go back to the chapter and pick five additional sentences that we use to craft our own tale of intrigue and mystery and whimsy uh, sometimes. I've been focusing really hard on trying to pronounce Twitter backwards in my head <laughs> um, and wasn't actually paying attention to what you were saying just there. Well, you know how the segment goes, so it's totally fine. It looks like we both have very, very short uh, rewrites yes. this chapter. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, though I thought mine was punchy and fun. Uh, I went ahead and read my summary first, so do you want to go ahead and read your rewrite first? Sure. All right. I'll do it. If I must. Sorry, I didn't number my sentences when I started, so give me a second. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my... Go ahead. Here's mine. You're bleeding, said Peter, but I have no idea who you are. What? rose the voice of King Caspian like thunder. Perhaps, said Nick Brick in a cold voice, I'm a beast and we don't change. See, that's much better. <laughs> wow, okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Just a re-exploration of Nick Brick as a, uh, as a character here. Yep. Uh, we both went through kind of similar veins because I feel like mine wasn't a true rewrite. Uh, it was just an alternate telling of the events in the chapter. Okay. So here's mine. Call her up, said the great voice. That'll be Dr. Cornelius, said Trumpkin. The next minute or so was very confused. I'm here, said a rather faint voice. Show me your enemies. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So that was just me doing a rewrite of them actually calling up the witch and, you know. Dang. So I thought it was fun. Yeah. Uh, cool. So that's that. I never know how to end this segment. It's just like we are going to awkwardly meander onward. <laughs> we uh, should. <laughs> I had a few sentences. We had black sorcery referenced when we were talking about calling up an accursed ghost. Uh-huh. Um. Yes, they say, answered Knickerbrick, but you'll notice that we hear precious little about anything he did afterwards, talking about Aslan. Um, He just fades out of the story. How do you explain that if he really came to life? Mm -hmm. Isn't it much more likely that he didn't? Um, Which we have an interesting shift here from Trumpkin being the primary atheist character (laughs) to Knickerbrick being the primary atheist character. Well, Trumpkin's been tossed around the mouth of the lion at this point, so. Yeah. He can't well. exactly not believe. Um, but those are the last sentences I had written down as anything to reference. Should have brought them up before the the uh, rewrites, but... Maybe we probably got time if you want to... No, no, no. That's all. I just wanted to at least bring them up as existing and maybe touch on them a little bit. But everything else that I had is stuff that you read um, directly out of the book. Was oh, sorry. Everything I just... else I had content on i just feel like this chapter was worth reading out of like there was a lot of lines in there that i as i said were uh were different yes um 
Anyway, so if if that's all, let's go ahead and move into our final segment, uh, which is called baseless speculation. Baseless speculation. <laughs> Glad I could remind you there. Uh, it's it's my brainchild, so it's fine. Um, where I have not read uh, this book or any of the books in the series before, other than Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which we've already moved on from. So I don't really know what's going to happen or how it's going to end. Uh, and so started this new thing, this book, where at the end I'm just coming up with baseless speculation for how the story goes based on the information presented, which has gotten much harder the further we've gone into the book as more plot lines close. Which, and I like, mean, you, I would expect. Yeah, uh, but I do have a little one for this one where I'm revisiting the character of Dr. Cornelius because he comes back. And when he was first introduced, I brought up this whole thing where I was like, Dr. Cornelius is absolutely involved. Like, he's been there from the start. Like, he's a he's one of the leaders of this underground resistance that, you know, the Badgers and the Dwarves are part of. Uh, and I'm going to revise that slightly and say, I think he's behind the whole friggin' thing. Uh, I think this, this was Cornelius's plan from the start uh, because... We establish in this chapter that there is magic that exists in the world that is capable of calling up old ghosts from the past and bringing people back from the dead or whatever, etc. Okay. At least, you know, the hag and the werewolf seem to think there is. And, you know, strung Nick could brick along. But we have precedent for this. Uh, so we know at this point also that... Do you think that... Can I ask a question? Yeah. Sorry. Do you think that Cornelius has been looking for a way to bring back someone from the dead uh-huh. and that's what led to him finding susan's horn oh i think that he was looking for an instrument of bringing back someone from the dead oh i think he already has Ooh. um and <laughs> that that stinger there uh so we established a you know cornelius found the horn brings it to caspian caspian blows the horn brings into narnia uh the pevensies so yes. that's how they get there um and then at some point Aslan just kind of shows up. Mm-hmm. So we know it's not the horn didn't bring Aslan back. Uh, it's definitely nothing the Pevensies did because they just kind of run into him. Yeah. And so my premise for this uh, chapter is that Cornelius did. He brought Aslan back? Yes. Okay. Is that Cornelius did some kind of magic ritual that brought back Aslan. That fits into his whole thing of being like, oh, no, I'm terrible at magic, I know a few spells, etc., etc. Like, he's been downplaying it this entire time. However, the second we get somebody else in the book who knows anything about magic, the hag's showing up, the hag is just like, oh, glorious master Cornelius, like, oh, you know so much more than I do, and just, like, laying it on. What if she's not laying it on thick? What if she's just being honest and being like, oh, yeah, this dude knows what's up. Maybe. Like, he, he's, he's the one that's got power, and, like, I need to prostrate myself here before him which we do have a precedent for in some of the other books with the witch recognizing the mark of the magician mm-hmm. on uncle andrew yeah and knowing that there is this kind of royal magic association yeah and so the hag shows up and it's just like yeah you guys don't know who you're messing with here this is like cornelius he's og uh but yeah cornelius is the one that performed this blue fire ritual and brought aslan back that's my... That's what you think? Yeah. Interesting. That's my baseless speculation. Okay. Uh, cool. Do you still think that Peter doesn't know anything about what's going on? Uh, I, I think probably at this point it's come back to him. Like he's... If not, he's taken it real well. Like better than I would take it if I found myself dropped into another universe, which I, which I didn't know anything about. I mean, would the first thing you say is like, hey, don't kill me. I'm not here to try to take over your kingdom. <laughs> I'm here to establish your leadership. Uh-huh. Maybe. It is. But... Please, please don't kill me. <laughs> please yeah. don't fight with me. I'm just here to make sure you get to be king so I can go home. Yeah. You think Peter killed Neckerbrick? I don't know. Do you think Nickabrick killed himself? <laughs> In the fray, he just stabs himself. He's just like, nope, I see which way the wind's blowing. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna want to come out of this on the other side. Well, it's possible. Uh, all right, well, that's the podcast. Is it? I think, unless you have something else you want to go into. 
Um, no, I think we really hit on everything. There's a lot in this chapter that happens mm -hmm. of a thematic nature as opposed to like an action nature. Like there's the chapter's short, tight, like you said. Yeah. But there's a lot of thematic elements that really carry through in this chapter. And, and it says a lot about the witch and those who follow her and honor her and yeah. all of that. Yes. Yeah, if we really wanted to, we could probably spend two or three episodes just talking about this chapter and like all the themes that we could expand upon. But that's not what we do. Has the blue fire ever been brought up before? I don't think so. Interesting. There is mention of magic circles, though, which is fun. Yeah. Uh -huh. True. All right. You want to take us out? Um, thank you so much for joining us today uh, on Chronically Narnia. Today we were discussing Chapter 12 of Prince Caspian. Sorcery and, and Sudden Vengeance. Next week. Just we had will to say be... it one more time. Sorry. Go ahead. You can join us next week as we discuss Chapter 13. Chris, what's the title of Chapter 13? Oh, that I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> The next one is called The High King in Command. Whoa. But I thought that he wasn't here to to rule. Or does Caspian take the mantle of High King in this next one? Interesting. The mantle of the High King is passed, maybe. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, The High King in Command is going to be the next chapter. And we will be discussing that next week. If you are interested in interacting with us... Um, Please do. We're starved for human interaction. You know, if you're bored. <laughs> if you if you want to talk to someone... <laughs> yeah. Like us. Yep. You can do so at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of the hag's severed head um, at Chronically podcast at gmail.com as always never mock a man save when he is stronger than you then as you please and don't eat cold bear meat for breakfast <laughs> see ya tigers and tea Am I supposed to be dwarf cursing right now to test audio? We finally bought an office trash can and I am delighted. <laughs> to speak plainly, said Nick. I can actually talk. I don't know, can you speak plainly, yeah. please? Within that whole. You okay? Is there like a spider behind me? No, I thought I saw a bug. Fine, keep going. Yeah, so moving on, I, I think we should introduce our fully, formally introduce, formally, formally introduce our two other friends that we have. Uh, he says the witch is dead, all the stories agree. Ding dong. Werewolf says, oh, is she? Uh, Trumpkin found herself face him herself, you know. Trumpkin transitions in this chapter. He still does get an honorable barrel, though. Yes. I'm gonna try that again because I just said that all as one word. He still does get an honorable burial, though.